Hey everybody, I'm Nick Davis. Welcome to Simply Not Easy, the podcast about simple action steps to improve the journey of your life as I work to improve the journey of my own. Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome back to Simply Not Easy. You know, today, this episode is called The Pursuit of Happiness and, uh, Y'all are going to understand that in a minute. It's Focus Friday, which basically Focus Friday out here in this podcast is my wild card to talk about what I want to talk about, what I'm focusing on for this week, what I'm doing. <laughs> and uh, I got to start this off with a confession. So last episode, Thoughtful Thursday, talking about my uh, my West Coast interview. I actually did that episode, recorded that episode Wednesday just before taking off from my flight. So I recorded the episode then before taking off from my flight from Ithaca to Philly out to uh, California. And the timing of that has a major effect on this podcast episode. So, you know, I'm shouting this out. Um, This is my Focus Friday. I'm actually recording this later on Thursday evening. Um, So it's after my interview. I've already had that. I have also... Um, and the reason I'm doing that is because I'm taking the red eye. So California time, like 1130 flight, getting to New York at like 1030 Eastern time. So got to make it happen now. Nobody wants to listen to somebody record an episode on a plane ride while they're trying to sleep. That's just not going to happen. So anyways, recording it on Thursday night. Got to be real. Got to be up front with y'all. So the pursuit of happiness, that movie by Will Smith. That movie was about a man called Chris Gardner. And my struggles are nothing to the level that Chris Gardner had. And he came out about immaculate success. Incredible, incredible comeback story. But here's why one of the many reasons I'm calling this episode The Pursuit of Happiness. Because in that movie, in that story, when Chris Gardner, played by Will Smith, when he gets in there for the interview, He's in jail the night before because he's thrown in jail because he has tons of parking tickets that he has not been paying because he needs to have food for his kid. So he has parking tickets built up. He's homeless. He was left by his wife, um, needs to take care of his kid, and he's trying to get this job. So he's thrown in jail the night before or a few days before the job. He finally gets out in time, gets the interview rescheduled for that morning, shows up right away, goes to the house. Everything's gone in his house. He has no shirt, no nothing. So he shows up and I think what's a pair of jeans and basically a wife beater tank. And in that interview, he talks to the guy, head honcho in finances, basically stocks, investments. And what he says, what the guy says to him, he says, so Chris, if... I told you that at an interview with a guy, and again, these are all like top-notch business suits, ties, all that stuff. If I told you I had an interview with a guy and he came up wearing no came out wearing no shirt, but I hired him, what would you say to me? This is the ultimate of defending your thesis. So now the character of Will Smith has to defend why he should be hired. And what does he say? Well, 
So when he's asked if he's not wearing a shirt, he said, well, hang glass. That guy must be wearing some really nice pants. And they burst out laughing, man, and that's how it happened. And guess what? He got hired, and that's a moment in history. Chris Garner making it happen, and Will Smith paying his respects. So my love, my struggle was not to that severity by any means. I do not make it out to be. But however, the implication of me fessing up to recording the Thursday episode on Wednesday and the Friday episode today was that when I recorded the Thursday episode for the interview, I did not know what would happen on these flights for me. So between Ithaca and Philly, um, one of these airlines, the airlines that I was working on, that I was flying on, they lost my baggage. How? I don't know. Um, Ithaca, a pretty dinky airport. Um, it went on the flight from here to Philly. Um, yeah, so it went on the flight from Ithaca to Philly. Bags were there. Um, got off the flight from Philly to LA. Guess what? Bags weren't on the flight. Don't know what happened. They couldn't find it. Looked and looked and looked, but I only had a minute layover. Had to get from Terminal F to Terminal A. I'm sorry, an hour layover. Oh, that minute layover, that ain't happening. Had to get from Terminal F to Terminal A. Had to hurry up, so I waited around like 15 minutes trying to figure stuff out. Couldn't find my bag, so I'm like, shit. That has everything in it. Literally, I was only wearing like a pair of shorts, pair of socks, boxers, obviously, and a shirt. At least it was a Spartan race shirt, so, you know, representing some good memories out there. And I've got my uh, my laptop bag without my, not my laptop in it, but this uh, professional portfolio I put together and some interview pre a few interview prep things. Look, thankfully I've got my ID, my cell phone, my wallet. Uh, cell phones, you know, getting lowish on battery though. And that's what I've got with me. I've got my water bottle and a couple snacks. That's about it. So no other clothes. And this is when I bought like a new suit two weeks ago for the sake of these interviews in my professional career coming up that happened to be the dress shoes are in the suitcase, the small carry-on that they had to load. Um, my, all my, my suit, everything is in there, all my dress clothes, all my other like pairs of shorts, t-shirts, jeans, stuff are going out and everything in LA. None of that. I got my shorts, my socks, my Sneakers are a nice pair of sneakers, but let's be real. They're sneakers and showing up to an interview ain't looking too hot uh, Then my Spartan Race t-shirt So I get my flight in there We get going and I'm like listen There ain't nothing I can do right. I'm on the flight to LA I was calling tons of people as I'm walking from or hauling my ass not walking hauling my ass from Terminal F to Terminal A and as I'm going through there Guess what? I'm going through there, making that process happening, and nothing I can do. They said I have to wait until I land in LAX to officially file the baggage claim. So I get to LAX, file the baggage claim, yada, 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 and I'm at like 5%, 6% battery life in my phone. So I hurry my ass down to baggage claim, do that. I have to sit in the airport for like 30 minutes just to charge my phone to functional level so I can get in contact with my friend, get in contact with... My dad to help me out on the other end, um, which of course he's in New York, can't do a damn thing, but you know, moral support uh, and help me make a couple calls. And again, this after a long day of travel for me and I got nothing on me. And so anyways, like, all right, we gotta get this shit figured out. So I take, take a bus from, and again, 
I'm on the plan, I'm in the mindset of, listen, I'm going to do what I can when I get there, but it does me no freaking good to stress out about it now. We're going to make it happen, right? It's going to be an audible. And in my mind, I'm thinking, like, I'm thinking of this movie clip from The Pursuit of Happiness, and I'm like, damn, I'm going to have to tell him a story. And I did not get parking tickets as my excuse. I might have to come in there showing up for a physical therapy interview job in my Spartan Race t-shirt and say, listen, this is what I got. Or wear my bar my friend's baggy-ass clothes. They're like dress clothes, but they're baggy-ass not fitting me. I'm going to have to explain myself. Anyways, get there, land in the airport, LAX, do my thing. Had a ton of back and forth with the people working there, trying to figure something out. Basically, we eventually found out by late, late that night, and not even, and barely even until today, that uh, they they think they found my bag in Philly. They think they did. Can't confirm it for sure. Um, and they might be putting it on to a flight to LAX soon. And even as I stand right now, later in uh, Thursday evening, I'm not quite at the airport yet, but I don't even know for myself. I do not know if. There's this flight going from Philly to LAX that might have my bag on it. That might, or it might not. Here's a kicker. I'm flying from LAX to Philly tonight and then back to Ithaca. So it might be that, you know, my bag gets to LAX in enough time for me to pick it up quick, snag it through, and then from there, go on through and fly back. Or we might just trade places. My bag might end up in LAX and I might end up in Philly and guess what? <laughs> Who knows from there, brother? So it's a, uh, it's a battle, all right. It is a complete battle, but making it happen. Um, and again, just uh, top my resilience. So, anyways, I end up showing up to last night. Um, so this is, excuse me, this is Wednesday night, night before the interview. Hey, meet up with my friend. Take the bus down to Union Station. We meet up, grab some food real fast. We show up to a men's warehouse an hour before that place closes down. And I'm like, listen, here's the deal. I just bought a custom suit from you guys like two weeks ago um, out in New York. Did this whole thing, whatever. They lost my baggage. And thankfully, thankfully we're gonna put something through for the airport where they're gonna reimburse me and refund me for the amount that I had to pay for this. So I still try to keep it a good deal and everything, but you know, I could at least get through and be functional for this interview and not shoot myself in the foot over and over again. So anyways. Get that all set up and we're out of there like 15 minutes before they close sweet making it happen head back to our place but then he says like oh by the way my, our shower doesn't work i'm like all right we'll figure that one out so shower doesn't work um and this is after you know two long flights on a plane running around all day trying to make stuff happen um i ain't, I ain't saying that i stank but uh, i certainly didn't uh smell all fresh enough to kind of put my my armpit in a patient's face for some different uh, cervical mobilizations we may or may not be doing the next day as a part of my evaluation and certainly i needed a shower before i uh got to the interview that's a guarantee putting some fresh dress clothes and it's funny i mean i ended up getting like a a suit and a shirt to put me through but like i'm borrowing my friend's undershirt and everything um Borrowing his socks, borrowing his shoes, one size too big for me. Uh, but hey, gotta make it happen. The pursuit of happiness, to chase after life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That is the dream out here making it happen. And this is just a funny thing. It's all about teaching resiliency. And 
this was a lesson for myself in resiliency. So, up to this point, you know, Thursday morning, rolls in, we're like, shit, we ain't got a shower. So, we go down, uh, local school gym, he's at USC, physical therapy student, pretty cool guy, knew him back from Ithaca, back in the day. Anyways, we go to the school gym, uh, we're gonna, you know, get a strong workout in, get showered up and stuff, and it was fun, I mean, good to get the body moving again and everything, but again, I had literally no clothes with me. So I literally had to borrow his clothes, like, not to be too much, but all the way down to the boxers, borrow his clothes, just so I could work out to get those clothes sweaty, to get changed back into my clothes, to get changed back into dress clothes when we get back to the place. <laughs> and it's mad funny, do the workout and everything, have a good time. Apparently, I didn't understand how their locker room system worked. So their locker rooms, um, apparently they've got like one kind of like public-ish area that both guys and girls can put their stuff in. Um, for like day locker use that was you know kind of closed off other than they've got separate male and female lockers obviously later down the hallway that you have separate doors to enter into well when i went in there you know he was locking his stuff up and stuff and we it was bright and early in the morning so we were the only ones in the locker room at the time apparently i never got that vibe so you know, after i'm done working out i get the code from him unlock my stuff and i'm like stripping my ass down naked um you know wrap the towel around me and everything that i you know, walk out of the locker to go down to the showers and stuff. And I'm like, oh, there's a hallway. So I keep walking down the hallway, see some nice ladies and everything. At that point, I realized that, well, I'm clearly been in the wrong spot. But, uh, you know, got to walk with confidence. Got to play it off and uh, pretend like I'm the new kid because, well, I am the new kid. So anyways, uh, I eventually get to the men's locker room right next to the door of the women's locker room. Uh, just a towel. Eventually get in there, get cleaned up, all that fun stuff. So now we're good, right? Now we're good. Now we can just get my ass to the interview. And we did. Made it back. Got to the interview. Got there about 25 minutes early. Got all ready to go. It was a freaking great time. Uh, entertaining. Uh, telling that story about all the shenanigans that happened. Um, yeah, it was it was wild. But it was a sweet interview. First started out with a panel of uh, big old trio. Uh, three very, very good clinicians, kind of rapid-fire questions interview, and you could tell that boom, 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 boom. They're having a lot of candidates in that day trying to get ready. I was blocked off for an hour and a half, um, 30 minutes with kind of the chief head honcho, uh, then an hour for um, kind of rapid-fire questions from the trio, uh, then the rest of the time was my evaluation, patient eval and exam, and treatment of a mock patient and that mock patient happened to be one of the faculty members that was grading me on it at the same time kind of talking clinical reasoning talking through it it was sweet great job doing it and this facility in kaiser kaiser permanente west la campus that's the only one i can speak of because it's the only one i've been to phenomenal amazing clinicians great time there completely enjoyed my experience certainly there are a couple things i could have done a little bit better on the examination but we had a really good talk, really good clinical reasoning session, um, kind of throughout and afterwards talking through my process, and I could tell that I was going to learn a lot from these mentors along the way, if indeed I am accepted, and if indeed I do accept in return. Then I had the interview portion with a uh, kind of head honcho lady, and then she had another um, clinician come in as well, take some notes and kind of ask a few questions too. And I enjoyed it. I, I went in that room and, you know, introduced myself and everything. And it was a great, great talk. 
uh, to start out, she basically said, listen, I don't know you. I don't know your resume. I don't know what school you went to. Frankly, I do not care. And she was very bold, very upfront about it. She said, I'm here to talk to you. I'm not here to talk to your skills. I'm not here to talk to uh, your accolades, your awards, your achievements. I'm here to talk to you. And for 40 minutes, we went a few minutes over. We had a great heart-to-heart conversation, real talk about upregulation, downregulation, emotional intelligence, who I am, what I'm about, my mission statement on this earth, what I'm all about, kind of how she sees her family of clinicians at this place, how she sees her values. We gave each other some really solid feedback. She gave me some criticism and feedback on some of my stuff, but in a really respectful way, had a conversation about how can we both improve. And, you know, we talked about real clinical scenarios, real things, but also very much about kind of what is my mission on this earth. And this is the stuff, you guys know this, this fires me up. This absolutely fires me up and brings me a whole nother level of confidence and purpose in this world. And when I was able to speak to her, and of course I have farther and further to go about getting this developed for myself. But my purpose on this, when I feel like, well, one of the questions she asked me is when I'm done with this residency, where do I want to take this information that I learned? Where do I want to take it? What do I want to do? What's the next step along the way? And I basically told her, you know, I don't know what place in the country I'm going to be. I don't know what location I'm going to be. But if I'm chasing three things, if I'm chasing three things, that's my sense of fulfillment. Those three things. Number one, I am constantly bettering myself and creating that community I want around myself. Just like I did in, when I was in Northern California, making that happen with my clinical out there with the VA. I made the place a home for myself. Didn't know a soul there at first. Same thing when I went down to Texas. Didn't know a soul at first in Texas, in Dallas. Made it a home for myself. It was great. So to do that wherever I am, create my community. Number two, I wanna be mentored to seek that mentorship from others far smarter than me, far better than me, and to have an active, active role in that. And number three, to give other people a strong hand up along the way, to mentor others in the process while being mentored myself. And I found that through my journey so far that that combination gives me the greatest fulfillment to create home for myself and to be part of a home to receive mentorship along the way in things that I value in life. And number two, number three, excuse me, to give people a strong hand up along the way. Because it's that combination. I truly believe that. That if all of us, whatever we're good at, whatever we want to do, whatever our passion is, if we do number two and number three, if we are mentored and we mentor in turn, especially simultaneously, you cannot lose. When done right, you cannot lose. You can fail, you can get hurt, you can get back up, you can work through it. You cannot lose. I deeply, deeply believe that. And it was an amazing talk with her. And one of the takeaways, now I've talked about this a little bit before, is that I've got this document, this Google document. I call it Ikigai. Ikigai, that Japanese word meaning being your reason for being. And I put down things in this document that I like, that I hear, that I aspire to be, something that speaks to my character. And what I put down from our conversation with myself and the director 
what I put down in that conversation is having the ability to do something and actually doing it are two entirely different things. And she, I mean, she was calling me out in this interview. It was like, this wasn't an interview in terms of, well, you know, what are your skills? What's this other thing? No, it's who are you? And then it's like, no, bullshit answer. Who really are you? Then I go a layer deeper. No, bullshit. Who really are you? And it kept going and going and going and going. And I loved it. I loved it. It was funny. There's one point she, she asked me, and the other clinician was there too. She asked me, do you drink? Like, it was like, like she was almost like an interrogator at one point. Cause she was like, do you drink caffeine? And like, you know, some people like might be off put by that. They'd be like, why the hell does she care? My potential boss is boss's boss in this job. Why the hell does she care if I drink caffeine? But I'm like, hey, this is like, I'm loving the tone of this conversation. And I'm like, no, she's like, good. Cause you don't need it. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, I, I can see that. You don't energize your bunny and everything. Um, and it was, I mean, she was asking me what my Myers-Briggs type was and stuff. And I'm like, I hadn't done that stuff since back in the day, like five years ago. I'll try and look it up. But like we were talking about all this stuff, upregulation, downregulation of our body control. What truly, that life mission for myself of inspiring hope through other people, through changing people's relationship with their body. And that's come from me from a great place of personal growth and personal story, as well as working with many other people as well. And that's what inspired me. That's what pumps me up. And that's one of the reasons that this place seems like such a good home to me. Because it seems like some place where with this clinic director and the way that she's leading, she's creating a physical therapy family in this place that's based around those values of living the mission about balancing your life and truly, truly deeply valuing that. And, and having that ability to create a home for it. Uh, then, having these great mentors, and she, she said it to me, and I can tell the way she said it. She said, we have great mentors here. We have a great group of clinicians here. Uh, then I said something along the lines of, you know, kind of almost what I'm supposed to say as a student, somebody interested in the program, I say, oh, I've, you know, I, I've, I can tell that from what I've seen. Um, and da da da, trying to show it. You know, I've done some research and that kind of stuff. She says, No. In my 31 years here, these are some of the best clinicians we have here. And I can get that vibe. It's an elite group. It's an elite group for a great reason. And I'm excited by that. I'm very pumped up by that. Very pumped up. And it's funny. I mean, these kind of conversations where it's uncomfortable and you're not certain. Um, but these are the conversations we need to have. These are the things that invigorate me, but they don't invigorate everybody. Some people, they make them uncomfortable. And you know why they invigorate me? Because it used to make me uncomfortable. It used to make me uncomfortable by looking deep into myself. But now I just do it on pattern. I do it on practice. I totally do. And it's funny. She was calling me out on not down-regulating enough, not relaxing just not do 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 to do but being enough and it's an interesting dichotomy for me because do i need to do more down regulating i think i do in addition to that as in like what i told her my i kind of gave her two answers my cop-out answer is that so many of the things i do 
give me vitality and energy and truly replenish me. Truly do. Truly replenish me, the things I do with friends and all that other stuff. But I also do downregulate. And I find that she was calling me out. She's like, well, are you more of an introvert or an extrovert? Da, da, da. I'm like, both. I told her, here's what I said. If we have a spectrum, you know, how much of me is introvert, how much is extrovert? I'm about 60% introvert, about 40% extrovert. And she was kind of saying, no, oh, I don't know about that and everything. And I'm like, that's what I got for self-reflection. And, you know, I'm willing to keep taking a deeper look into it because I do and I will. But these are the kind of conversations we need to be having. I'm not saying we always need to have an interrogator, somebody drilling you, somebody always calling you on your shit completely. But to openly go after these conversations. Absolutely openly go after these conversations. That's what we need. And again, my examination was not perfect today at all. It had some really good points. Um, there's a lot of things I did well, but there's a lot of things I needed to make a little bit crisper, to clean up a little bit. Absolutely needed to. But it was awesome because being in that process, kind of being put on the spot, revealed those to me. It revealed my weaknesses. And if I can gain a lot of insight in just an interview with some good education and stuff like that when I'm on the pressure, guess what? That's gonna make me a better clinician. And to put that hot seat back on myself even when my mentors are not in the room, that's gonna make me better. So I've got the interview with Cuga Medical in a couple weeks, about two, just less than two weeks. I'm looking forward to that too, another great opportunity. And that's gonna be a tough decision down the road. A tough decision down the road. So today, episode Focus Friday, the pursuit of happiness. When I, the last part of that interview was with the director. Um, you know, we, she showed me out and everything. We talked for a second, everything. And she said, okay, so when you leave, and I said, I told her, I'm taking the red eye tonight and maybe I'll find my pack, my suitcase or not. We'll see what happens. And she's like, okay, what are you doing back in New York tomorrow? And cause she was, you know, probably giving me grief for downregulating again. And I said, oh, I got this, this girl I started talking to that, uh, going out on a date and she like she's like she kind of laughs she's like ah you're funny i like you i'm like and i forget what i said actually i i don't know i forget what i said at that time but hey it's been awesome here in california californication the land of dreaming land of opportunity making it happen out here west coast and gotta say pursuit of happiness out here the struggle without having the right clothes, with maybe walking around naked a few too many places, walking into men's warehouse with just some shorts on and a workout shirt, and them looking at me funnier than I have to explain the situation, to the pursuit of happiness. Hot date Friday night. Looking forward to it, ladies and gentlemen. All right, y'all. Keep it real out there. Keep having these conversations with yourself with others, with those you care about, with your community, with those you want to create community with. Why can't we make these interview conversations more commonplace? And imagine the people that we will be as we get closer to answering the question of why were you put on this earth? All right, y'all. Simply, not easy.